Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 621. I'm Ryan Pedagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I am pretty sure that I'm Angelique Roche, but we'll find out by the end of the show. Yeah, I, maybe. Mystery? Let's solve it. But mm-hmm. that's going to be a long time for us to figure out. Uh, we have to get there by telling you about all the official stuff happening this week, because this is the official Marvel podcast. We talk about all the things happening this week in Marvel. I mixed a lot of words. It's been a freaking five months this week it's been a lot yeah over here yeah in my and household. It's, it, it's you know you've got a lot going on um and yet you somehow managed to come in here and every single week talk about games comic books toys movies tv and everything else we're excited about we have a marvel insider code later in the episode uh and then we also are talking with jerry duggan about invincible iron man number 10 and all the things emney toma are you wait wait are you trying to ship are you trying to ship Tony and Emma? Oh, look, Angelique, I'm not shipping anything. They're getting married. But before we get into that, we got some news. What are we talking about this week? Legos! Uh, Lego Marvel Avengers Code Red is coming to Disney Plus in October. It's time to assemble. Uh, earlier this week, the teaser poster for an all-new special was unveiled along with the news that the special will be streaming X. Ex- exclusively on Disney Plus on October 27th, 2023. And you should get moving uh, to watch that. That's uh, right. Yeah, I, I almost got that segue. I almost got that one for you, Ryan. Teed up. Yeah. Uh, mm. it- it was very good because uh, it is time for this week in Marvel Move. Marvel Move is our uh, Marvel storytelling fitness audio app. It's super fun. It's out now. You can get it through the ZRX app. You go to zrx.app slash Marvel or just go to the App Store, Google Play, look up Marvel Move. Super easy. Now, this week we had X-Men Age of Orcus episode five. Uh, this one is a <gasps> big Wait, personal favorite. Yeah. Did, did I did I see dinosaurs yep you are in the savage land we have dinosaur soundscapes which is a lot of fun you're 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 dodging dinos but you also get to hang out with beast and um for everybody who's like i really want the beast to be like fun and cool and this that's the beast that we have in this story that's it's like x-men the animated series vibes of oh, beast like hanging upside down beast 100 percent, and like his vocabulary and references and like it's it's a lot of fun so you get to hang out with beast a whole bunch in this episode this week and then in our thor and loki trials of the ten realms episode it's a story episode uh you got trolls you got deadly birds and you go on a quest for the dwarves that's episode okay. nine of that but if you're doing the 5k training we're in week five and you go to jotunheim uh with thor and loki you go to the land of the frost giant to meet uh a very cool frost giant named hron and yeah it's a fun one also in big marvel move news this week we have a brand new series beginning next week monday september 25th this one is gonna be super cool race with the marvels in our first marvel move virtual race gonna be super cool you can become an agent of shield i i know you already are angelique and you team up with the marvels i know i know i know secrets in our raucous new flurkin race it is called the marvels flurkin race is the name of the series when hungry flurkins rampage through a busy comic book convention you'll need to combine your powers of running to prevent an intergalactic conflict and contain these adorable tentacled terrors it stars captain marvel Photon and Ms. Marvel. 
There's two training workouts coming Monday, September 25th, and then Monday, October 2nd. And then there's this big epic conclusion arriving on Monday, October 9th, which is going to be a 5K or a 10K virtual race. It's going to be terrific. Uh, if you have not already, you can sign up for Marvel Move. Go to zrx.app slash Marvel, and it's a whole lot of fun. You know what else is moving? What's that? The season for Women of Marvel. Yeah. Uh, So this week's episode of Women of Marvel is a birthday party for one of the founding Avengers. One of my favorites, the fashionista herself, the baddies of the baddie, the first woman to lead the Avengers, the one, the only Janet Van Dyne, a.k.a. the Wasp. Janet is actually celebrating 60 years this year, and she looks pretty good for a 60. So tune in to hear about her leadership, her friendship, her love of fashion, but not just her love of fashion. Like she is an icon. Um, And you'll also hear from editor Alana Smith, writer Rainbow Rowell, scientist Serene Summer and others. And make sure you're checking out the entire season of Women of Marvel and also the back episodes of Women of Marvel. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on some of them. Uh, You can find Women of Marvel wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe. And I mean, leave a five-star review because it's amazing. Yeah. Also in audio news, I was on another podcast this week called Gray Malk and Lane Podcast. I know. I know. But they're great. It's really fun. It's, It's a wonderful show. And you can download the episode wherever you're listening to this, I'm sure. Uh, What also is amazing, the Marvel Studios Assembled series of behind-the-scenes documentaries, the making of. Uh, Earlier this week, we got the latest one, which is Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of Secret Invasion, giving you behind-the-scenes on how this latest series came together and and all the bits and pieces. I love those. Go watch it. Mm -hmm. And then, and then set your calendars for October 5th. That's right. Marvel's Loki season two was pushed up to October 5th. The God of Mischief time slips into a new earlier date launching at 6 p.m. Pacific on October 5th, exclusively streaming on Disney Plus. And all subsequent episodes will also be available starting Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific. And for those of us like you know, that's like uh, on the East Coast, that's nine o'clock. It's perfect. Perfect time to sit down with a really good show. Keep your spoilers to yourself, friends. I say nothing. Let's move on. Let's talk <laughs> about some comic books because we got a whole bunch of news and announcements that came through. The original five X-Men are called upon for an all new multiversal mission in original X-Men number one. Whew. It was just announced and the original X-Men are back for a very fun 60th anniversary special. It's coming out in December. It's a supersized one-shot spotlighting the founding five by two wonderful creators, writer Christos Gage, love Christos, and artist Greg Land. Uh, So it's going to be a good one. The first and greatest heroes to bear the X-Men name once traveled into their own futures and reset the course of history. But now another multiversal mystery is calling them forth. So after the dust settles, there's only one hero remaining. Trapped in the world as we know it, there's going to be shocking surprise guests, big twists and turns, and of course, Christos and Greg are going to do some fun stuff that maybe it's hyperbole, maybe it's the truth, shake the whole Marvel universe, but we'll find out. 
And the seasons are changing for Wanda Maximoff and Scarlet Witch number 10. Uh, to tease what's next for Scarlet Witch, here's writer Steve Orlando. So for Scarlet Witch 10, we are bringing together all the pieces that started all the way back in Scarlet Witch 1. We'll have the low Mysterium, we'll have the person behind it, and we'll have the final showdown between Hexfinder, Joseph, and Wanda, with, of course, Darcy on the side, wielding one of Marvel's most unique weapons. Uh, I would argue one of the most unique weapons in Marvel Comics history. Uh, very excited for folks to see that. And this is going to be a showdown that is of, of nuclear magic proportions. It's catastrophic. It shakes Lotkill to its core. And at the end, there's probably going to be some tears coming from some of the cast, uh, almost indefinite. Uh, things are not the same after. Uh, that being said, it'll lead us right into what's coming in January, which uh, we can't talk too much about, but folks might notice that there's a conspicuous anniversary coming up. So it's going to be big. It's going to be celebratory. And uh, after, provided she survives what happens in 10, uh, Wanda's going to be back bigger and bolder than ever. All right. So make sure you're staying tuned. You are putting that on your pull list and you're watching out for issue number 10 of Scarlet Witch, but also make sure you go check out the rest of the series by writer Steve Orlando. All right, it's that time again. That's right, it's the time for New York Comic Con. We've got some really awesome stuff coming up. So it is the beginning of the end of Krakoa, the final battle of the X-Men. Krakoa age begins in fall of the House of X and rise of the powers of 10. Or X. We'll see. <laughs> uh, Behold the final days of Earth's Mightiest Heroes at Avengers Twilight. Chip Zdarsky and Daniel Kuna's startling new vision for the Avengers. Magneto returns for the X-Men's darkest hour in Resurrection of Magneto. That's right. Next year, Al Ewing and Luciano Vecchio bring Magneto home to the X-Men. Hmm. Jonathan Hickman and Marco Cacchetto introduce a new Ultimate Spider-Man. That's right. Jonathan Hickman's Ultimate Invasion limited series spawns an entire new Ultimate Universe, complete with a brand new Ultimate Spider-Man. Learn additional information about these titles and more during Marvel's Next Big Thing panel at New York Comic Con, which takes place Saturday, October 14th. Oh, it is time to return to the foundation of Planet of the Apes in the new Beware, the Planet yes. of the Apes comic book series. Uh, the, the the most recent ape series was so good and, and sad and intense and wild. So this January, writer Mark Guggenheim and artist Alvaro Lopez launched Beware the Planet of the Apes, which is set in the original Planet of the Apes era. And put that in your brain. It's a four-issue limited series taking us back to those original films, that saga featuring the, you know, beloved characters like Cornelius, Zira, and Nova. The new series is sort of like riffing off and, and really embracing those initial films. So get excited for that. Beware, the Planet of the Apes will be a prequel to the events of... 1968's Planet of the Apes, that very influential movie that kicked off the ape domination of science fiction throughout the 70s and beyond. Yo, they buried the lead right yo, there. Yo, yo, what? Want it. Ready. Give it to me right now. Yeah, give us all of it. It's going to be great. All right, so as announced earlier this week on StarWars.com, Star Wars Revelations, that can't-miss issue that offers readers a startling glimpse at what's to come next year in Star Wars comics is back with more surprises than ever this 
December. Uh, so last year's Star Wars Revelations prepared fans for a dramatic year of Star Wars sagas, including putting the pieces in place for the current crossover event that we love so much, Star Wars Dark Droids. This year will be no different with a giant size installment packed with the first appearances of some major players and Ooh. new twists and turns across all of Marvel's Star Wars line. That's a lot of twists and turns. Well, that's coming up. We have out right now Predator versus Wolverine, and it's written by Benjamin Percy with art. Uh, so the, the story takes place across multiple time periods. And so we've got art by in this great series by Ken Lashley, Greg Land, and Andrea DeVito. And um, we actually have one Mr. Benjamin Percy here to talk about it right now. The Predator comes for the thrill of the hunt. But in Wolverine, who is arguably the world's ultimate weapon, the ultimate walking weapon, uh, the Yautja has potentially met its match. Um, so there's this big question as to who is the hunter? Who is the hunted? And the answer plays across the bloody sprawl of over a century. Um, if you think about... Logan's life, if you think about him as James Hallett, as Logan, as Weapon X, as Wolverine, if you think about him living in Canada and Japan and Madripoor and New York and Krakoa, um, he's been around since the late 1800s. And during that time, he's lived many lives. He's fought in many wars. He's spilled enough blood to fill a reservoir, as I've written before. And what if in that long varied range of experience. What if one of the constant through lines of Wolverine's life was this, the predator is his greatest enemy. Um, so this is in a way dancing between the raindrops of Marvel's history and we're seeing it through a fresh lens. So Wolverine and the predator, the Yautja have had a lasting dreadful rivalry. Oh, the sweet Benjamin Percy voice. And then as for why Benjamin Percy is the perfect man to write this series, well, let's let him explain. So let's go back to 1987. And, you know, we're talking about little Ben Percy here. I sound exactly the same, but I'm just like this unbearded, you know, little nerd wandering around. Equally obsessed with Wolverine comics and Predator, which I have seen far too early uh, in the third grade or second grade or whatever that was. Predator, you know, had this really formative effect on me. I was quoting the lines from it constantly, you know, whether it's Jesse Ventura saying, you know, we ain't got time to bleed uh, or, you know, it stuck up there like an Alabama tick or, you know, <laughs> Arnold saying like, if it bleeds, we can kill it or get to the chopper. And, you know, I would have all of these friends over and we would have Nerf Wars out in the woods behind my house, uh, playing Predator, like rehashing, replaying the script itself. Um, so that's just like part of my creative DNA. I also reading the comics early on, uh, following the franchise as time progressed. Like I've sort of been on these parallel tracks with the Yautja and with Logan all this time. So it's just like amazing to me that I'm now able to put a dent in both of their universes. That'll lead us perfectly into the other new comics this week, our picks. I, I'm going to just say, 
Predator vs. Wolverine number one, yes, one of my picks of the week. It is, as you'd expect, exceptionally violent, horribly bloody, wonderful. It, it like... I'm oof. never going to go in the woods uh, again. So, oh, man. And then it, like, takes some twists never and turns. Never going in the woods again, yeah. dude. Like, no. Mm, mm. All right. More picks of the week. Captain America number one is uh, a banger. Written by J.M.S. J. Michael Straczynski. Art by Jesus Saiz. Colors by Matt Hollingsworth. This, in, in the best way possible, reminds me of the beginning of JMS's run on Amazing Spider-Man with Johnny Romita Jr. from, holy moly, 20, almost 25 years ago. <sighs> Blow my brain up. Nobody, nobody, J, J. Michael doesn't need you to remind me how long ago But it, it was. like, really getting into the person of, of the superhero a lot. And there's also, there's plenty of superheroing in here. And then, I don't know that anyone can draw a sexier Steve Rogers standing in a just a plain white t-shirt than Jesus Saiz. Just, my goodness, on top of all the incredible action and, like, the emotion. You had me at white t-shirt. I know. There's also, Jesus gets to do a lot of, like, cool um, mystical stuff in a lot of places. He does some cool, very human stuff. But he doesn't often get to do, like, just big bonkers superhero there is a full page splash of Cap and the FF in the microverse. That is stunning, stunning, gorgeous stuff. I freaking love this issue. I was, I was so glad. And then, of course, speaking of stunning, mm. oh, oh my god, Avengers number oh my two. god, I was eating breakfast by myself. And read Uncanny Avengers number two, uh, which is by Jerry Duggan and art by uh, Javier Garon. I there's so much in this issue. I was like, Javier, yeah. you don't have oh. to go so hard. Yes, yes, he, yes, does. he does. No, you're right. No, you're right. no, you're right. take it back because he's Javier Garon. Yeah. He's on another level now. Colors by Maury Hollowell. There's a just. You get Steve Rogers talking to Ben Yurick in here, and there's this one shot of of Steve in the reflection in Ben's glasses, and I was just like, "Come on!" And then the cityscape, ah, oh, it is, yeah, it, correct. It, it'll just correct. blow your face off. Like no shirt, like like no shirt. Also, I got a shout out. Like it's just. It, 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 all of the covers on this one, particularly the rogue cover. Oh, those rogue covers! <gasps> Jeez. Oh. Ah. And in this issue, Quicksilver speed slaps a Nazi. He slaps him. And it, oh, perfection. Perfection. Anyway, lots of good comics this week. All right. So we've talked enough about comics. We're going to let somebody else talk about comics in just a second. That's right. Jerry Duggan is going to be talking about Invincible Iron Man number 10. We'll be right back. All right, you are listening to This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos. And I'm pretty sure, and I'm much more confident that Ooh. I'm Angelique Roche. Good, we're getting there. It's, it feels good. I, I want to make sure we we, uh, we button up that mystery before the end of the show. But before we get to the end, it is time to talk to writer Jerry Duggan, beautiful, sweet man. Uh, we have a lot to talk with him about. We are talking about Invincible Iron Man number 10 and the wedding between Emma Frost and Tony Stark. Of course, of course, of course, that's the big, big deal that's happening right now. Um, if you saw how the proposal went down. It was a big laugh. Big fun. Wonderful. Great stuff. But 
they got to go through with it. So we'll see how that shakes out, I believe, next week. Let's not wait. Let's get right into it with Jerry Duggan right now. All right, Marvelites, let's get excited because we are joined by one of my favorite humans, writer Jerry Duggan. Hi, Jerry. Hey, Ryan. How are you? I am doing swell. We are going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. We want to talk about some wedding bells and some murder and Uh some more stuff. But first things first, it's been a a hot second since you've been on the show. So what is your Marvel origin story? How did you first uh, become a fan of Marvel? Oh, boy. Well, I'm going to show my age, but my my father was a commuter from uh, Manhattan to New Jersey, and he would... uh, stop at the end of the day at a newsstand in Hoboken and pick himself up a newspaper and he'd grab a comic book for me. And uh, my secret origin is that I was reading them both. So this was, you know, uh, the glory days of a headless, headless body found in topless bar, you know, mob (laughs) wars. And also, you know, uh, amazing sort of John Romita Jr. on Spider-Man. I never really knew what I was going to get, although it was usually a Marvel comic. Um, so, th- and that was how I, uh, you know, it it was um, always just uh, the universe. You never knew what it was going to drop on you, and and uh, that's what I loved about about those days. You know, we we're always giving up so much now, but I, I hope we're giving up the things that um, we we can part with and keeping the rest of our story secret. Um, you know, I, and I think also we're so in the moment with the single issues that once uh, everything gets collected and is in its forever home in a, in a book somewhere that uh, we, we can still surprise, but we're, we're always trying to find the right balance uh, between sort of uh, revealing you know, what we're, what we're playing at for our retail partners and, and for fans. And then obviously trying to leave room to shock you. The fun thing uh, about the, the, the wedding, I think you want to talk about fun thing about that was, you know, we're what, how we're serving it and what we're serving is a little bit different than what we put on the cover, even though I think spiritually what we put on the cover is true. So we've gotten good at telling you, yeah, there's going to be a wedding. And it's not exactly how you think it's going to play out. Yeah. Uh, We will get into more of the wedding stuff soon. But I I was just thinking about what you're working on now. There's still all the X stuff, um, Uncanny Avengers, which straddles that line. And then Iron Man. When you were, you said you got a lot of those, you got like a lot of random things reading when you were younger. But as you started to grow into things more, did you gravitate toward an X-Men, an Iron Man, an Avengers, any, any of that stuff? Yes. Um, when we had a shop that was um, in the, um, it was not, I guess it was really pre-direct market. So it was a, a guy who was trading in vinyl and baseball cards and he was almost like a little flea market. And as you know, he had comics there, but then I, I started to have a friend group and that grew a little bit and, and he expanded his comics to, service this new fandom that he that he had you know it was kind of fun to watch that direct market go in in that direction and and he had no ability to um organize anything and so i actually after school would come in and in trying to figure out what he had to buy i was organizing oh here's a daredevil run right like here's all this 
So I, I started then to be just paid in comics. I'm sure we were breaking state and federal <laughs> labor laws. Um, but I was thrilled to do it. You know, uh, it was a great way to not get into trouble after school and to um, have a place. And, and obviously to, to then, that was how I read Simonson's Thor run. Um, and and uh, that was one of my favorites. Uh, the uh, Miller, Jansen, Daredevil had wrapped. Uh, it, it, it's hard for, I think, folks to understand today that not everything was available at, 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 at your fingertips. I had to work over 10 years to try and get a run of, of Miracle Man. And, you know, I still have those, those comics on my shelf uh, uh, behind me because um, th- there was a real thrill in that hunt. And so, um, but, but to, to put a, a real fine point on it, my favorite were the X-Men. Um, I, had uh, uh, just fell in love with the soap opera of it, with uh, the way that it was drawn. I thought that was the coolest art I'd ever seen. So even more than than a Spider Man or or an Avengers or a FF, that that was my jam. And and uh, hearing Jonathan Jonathan uh, his story for House of X years ago, I was uh, I. I, I was just shocked that it was going to be an opportunity also to play that his, his ideas would, would become sort of an operating system for this new era of X-Men. I sat down into the room just thinking, Oh, I, I hope I am about to hear a cool X-Men story. I suspect I'm about to hear a cool X-Men story. And then uh, I was coming back from space. I, I was writing guardians at the time and didn't have a, a, a gig lined up. And so that that weekend in New York, I was sort of following around Jonathan and Jordan and going, hey, hey, well, you know, what if people can't get to the island? Can, you know, we have an underground railroad and what about the medicines? Not everyone's going to agree and blah, blah, blah. And what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And uh, had that been my uh, only encounter with mutantum, I would have been thrilled. Um, but but obviously, um, you know, the fate had a, a, a different uh a different path for me. Uh, so I'm living the dream. I mean, it's not lost on me that I have a one of one job. If you want to play for the Yankees, there's a bunch of positions you could, you could, play, you could, you could land at. Um, and uh, so to, to have the privilege of writing these characters and uh, uh, telling these stories now, it's, uh, you know, every, every day in front of this keyboard is a dream. Thinking about going from, okay, you, you, you have all these ideas that you're firing up and talking with Jordan, uh, Jordan D. White, the editor, and Jonathan Hickman, the writers, that starts. But then, okay, Jerry, X-Men, what do you got? How early were you like, this is what I want for if I ever wrote the X-Men here? I had a lot of X-Men ideas in a folder. And I think if you're a writer, here's a, just a freebie is write everything down. Um, in a book or in a laptop that you back up or or wherever it, it is. And none of these ideas were going to be useful in a post-Jonathan world. So there was nothing there that I could reach back to. Whereas if somebody said, hey, uh, Dr. Strange, the writer went through the windshield of their car. Can you jump in really quick? Yeah, sure. I've got a bunch of Dr. Strange stories. Here you go. I don't wish. Please don't be... make Jed go through a no. windshield of a car. <laughs> no. 
he'll be fine. It's a very Doctor Strange thing to do. To he's Canadian. They have great healthcare. Yeah, and they have great healthcare. But the so none of my ideas were going to be of value there. The funny thing is, absent of Krakoa, if anyone ever said to me, "Hey, would you have any X Men ideas?" Pretend Krakoa didn't happen. I go, I got a lot of great X Men ideas, (laughs) but. What I did do at the time when when it looked like Jonathan might um, sidestep into some other business and everyone's about to get to start to enjoy that stuff too. God's is coming and it is great. Um, but but getting back to that real question, I, I wrote a big document that just said, what a wonderful transformation, uh, a shot in the arm, a very, no pun intended, fertile place to be telling stories but we have emptied our cupboard of, of the traditional X-Men villains. And so we need a, you know, to go back to that sports metaphor, we need a rebuilding year in order to really like take some of these villains, focus on them. And so that's what we did in year one with Pepe. Um, you know, we, we uh, uh, knew that Dr. Stasis would be a big uh, piece of that. And he got a, a nice new shiny Pepe suit. And we, we focused on making everyone hate these people. Like the Iron Man readers hate Phelan and the X-Men readers hate Stasis. And, you know, that's a job well done, in my opinion. That makes me happier than anything when I see uh, these folks um, angry at the villains. That means that that worked. Um, but, but, you know, that's a long way of sort of saying I never was dreaming in the new that we had at that moment. So a lot of my ideas were sort of the fan fiction in my brain from, from the old days. I do have one X-Men idea that would be a really fun one to pull the, pull the string on someday. Um, that is totally disconnected from a cover. Oh, uh, I feel like you're looking at my notes too. Cause my next thing I wanted to talk about villains and I wanted to say, thank you for bringing MODOK into the oh, Xbox yes. and making him cool and creepy and, and scary and all those great ways. It's, I, I, you know, he, he can be funny and he could be weird. It could be silly. He could be cr- creepy and horrifying. And like, I, you, you just get him. And so seeing him now playing in a place where maybe core X readers haven't really experienced a lot of MODOK and seeing this weird dude, just yeah. like, Mwah. Well, I'm glad you dig it. Uh, he is the super creepy, can be funny guy that, um, you know, as long as you remember that he's there to have a high body count and be creepy about it. Um, what a joy he is to write. I think the fun thing about the way, especially that our villains have worked is we've cross pollinated in, in a lot of fun ways with the Marvel universe. You know, we've, um, the default position sometimes is to run into an AVX, you know, or how do the Avengers and X-Men disagree or how are the X-Men going to disagree with the FF? And, you know, we managed to, um, I think, take some characters that were sort of siloed in particular areas of the handbook from an Avengers office, from an FF and jumble them together. And now they have this, this um, everyone has skin in the game. You know, the, the, the Uncanny Avengers ha- has a really unique position in all of this. And um, I'm very happy with uh, how that all sorted. And I think people were somewhat surprised at, at Captain America's view of what was happening. Uh, and, and I was pleased by that, too. Uh, speaking of surprises, uh, what was your 
what were the reactions coming to you after this year's Hellfire Gala? Because I remember sitting down with you at New York <laughs> Comic Con last year. We had done a, like a segment, a video segment. We had a couple minutes to kill and we were just shooting the breeze. And you told me what you wanted to do. And I looked at you and I said, Jerry, do it, do it. And I, you were like, I don't know. And then, you know, we fast forward now. It's like eight, nine months later and you went and you got it. I got it. Um, yeah, it was, um, we always knew it was going to be a hard year. Um, you know, we were looking at the, the hellfire galas, um, at least in that initial document that I put in as big chapter breaks. Here's something that we can set up. Here's sort of an act one and act two. And then here's a third act where, you know, we, uh, I guess the prior comp of this would be the empire strikes back. Right. Or, or, to um, a red wedding from the Game of Thrones. It was certainly um, the mutants did not have fun at this gala, right? It was uh, <laughs> um, it was very fun always to play in that sandbox, though, because the first one was potentially going to be just as small as being a, a, a Marauders storyline, and then everyone found a way into it in in that. Uh, and then we, as the writers who are usually driving a lot of this, we get to sit in the back seat and let the artists go, go crazy. And what I got out of it was this amazing camouflage for planet size X-Men. Nobody asked us what planet size X-Men was about because they were looking at Russell's storm or they were looking at Mateo's Iceman or, or, or any number of these, um, <laughs> I remember seeing the Colossus that Lucas did. Oh boy. And then I believe that was the drawing that that got that comic printed for free. We did the <laughs> there was a Hellfire Gala lookbook that year. Everyone was so excited. And I knew we had hit I knew we had it. Like I knew they had crushed it. We we couldn't there was no way that we could trip over it then. The artists had crushed it. And but I knew it it had the effect we wanted when I, I saw co- cosplay before the, the comic printed before the hellfire gala that summer before any of those comic books in the first one printed we were seeing stuff on instagram and being tagged and things that were uh, just remarkable and then to see this year how marvel comics had uh put something into print that in such a short time had become a a, a wonderful party that you could go to you know the, the cosplayers were the stars of that that party at San Diego this year. And it was really, really amazing to see how much effort and time and love uh, went into this. It was a reflection of how much I think they loved um, the, the comic books. It was, it was really stunning to see. Yeah. Um, is that, yeah. Is that, is that how you felt too? Like, are we oh my- like, it was like a, I was really taken aback. Was no, really- I, I know we were walking in together and I was, paying attention to everything around us, but also paying attention to you. And I felt such <laughs> joy for you. Yes. Because yeah, I could, yeah. you know, you're, you're putting all this time, all this love, all this thought into this work and seeing how it's come to life in a new way and seeing the joy that all the people had there. It was, I'm going to remember that night. I'm going to remember yeah. those feelings, those, those looks that just atmosphere. Yep. That's great. It was tremendous. Um, one thing that has been cool is now, as you've been doing Invincible Iron Man and a couple times throughout all this, Tony Stark being like, 
I told you, I told you, <laughs> don't, this is, this is bad. Were you thinking that far ahead about Iron Man when you were, when you were like having Tony sort of on the periphery of, of like the last gala being like, mm, you guys, this is. Yes, um, I was. We, I didn't have uh, a job then. Chris, Christopher Cantwell was doing a wonderful run, but I was thinking, boy, you know, I don't want to just do karaoke ever. And, you know, the Sentinels are such a fun part of the X-Men mythos. How am I leveling them up? What, how am I buffing them? How are they different? And who is it? Who is it hurting? And it just so happened that Chris was preparing a dismount uh, from Iron Man at a time when I was asking a lot of Iron Man questions. Um, at that moment, he was divested from Stark, and that was also a help, that he was looking more at being an Avenger and being an Iron Man and taking his his eye off of, you know, what was a tremendous technological dynamo, you know, and what happens when something like that goes bad. So it was never called Armor Wars 3, but that was how I was spiritually writing it. And I think there was rightfully some skepticism both from within and without i remember um darren shan my editor going i'm not keen to make him uh you know like a, a b plot in an x-men story and you know i rolled out the argument that this is a tony stark story absent of any of the mutant uh elements to it um yeah the, the iron man part uh, was a joy and it's also a very nice um, change up to be able to writing team books takes a like a s extra amount of energy and an extra amount of um, thought process like it takes more ram more brain ram sure and to be able to dial that back and focus on a solo title after two days of doing x-men or or uncanny avengers it, it's it's like um it's pretty liberating it it comes quick and i i've been very happy with the work I, iron man was one of those comic books that i was always so thrilled to to pick up an iron man my first issues i think were the armor wars issues so they've always loomed large uh for, for me and um yeah i'm i'm i am trying to be mindful that um it is an anniversary year for for Tony Stark and the one thing that I'm having fun doing is giving him the struggle of making something that I know how to do. I can't do, I don't have an engineering brain, but, but Tony struggling to write a memoir while all of this is going on has been fun. Some of my favorite Iron Man stories are not Tony Stark stories. There's a, a very funny panel where it was when Rhodey was Iron Man and there's the phone and someone wants to talk to Iron Man and Rhodey's like, hang on, and drops the bucket on his head and then is like, yo. <laughs> and oh, it, but, but that's the thing. In your mind then, it's not just a bit because then you go, oh, yeah, of course he sounds different when you're in a, a Iron Man helmet. Like, how does he sound then? Like, you know, what are the things that happen between those panels that, that get you going? Like I, the suitcase armor 
was always one of my favorites. I made, you know, the Mark Nail, the new stealth suit is a suitcase armor. Um, it wasn't quite clear. Like we, we kind of let that lay and people started to really freak out about it recently because uh, there are uh, the preview pages of Emma and Tony on, on, a, uh, on their road trip. Uh, have come out and and you know the Mark Nill is clearly the suitcase that he's holding. It's just fun. That's that's a fun thing to do. That is um, hopefully uh, uh, not just fan service. It makes good sense in the story. It's we're hiding the suit of armor. Yeah, you mentioned the memoir, and uh, as we get into talking about Invincible Iron Man number ten, and started talking about the wedding and all that stuff, um, I do want to make sure if we have you know, listeners who are X fans who haven't been caught up or maybe they just, they're now going to start getting into um, this run of Iron Man. Like, can you explain a little bit about sort of the, the framing of what you're doing here? Cause it's different. We don't, we haven't had this as far as I remember. Yeah. It's um, I inherited Tony Stark. He had divested from his company. His wealth had been put into um, purchasing up um, a lot of different, supervillain uh, weapons and all sorts of nefarious uh, gadgets They've, that's been hidden away in a, in a warehouse on Long Island. Uh, and um, accidents and tragedy seem to be following him around. His friend uh, was uh, mis- died under mysterious circumstances that they um, labeled a suicide, and he knew it wasn't. Phalong was uh, encroaching on his territory. Phalong wanted Stark because Phalong saw that as a as a way to um, implement the Sentinel production. And so Phalong legally owns Stark, all of the patents, and has baked every, all of that technology into the Sentinels. Even going back to AVX, um, you know, Iron Man had developed tony stark had developed anti-magneto technology i'm sure if you wear a metal suit you think a lot about magneto so we we now have that in the sentinels it's not just so easy you know for for the master of magnetism to come and 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 wrench these these characters apart um he Feilong, we really made him play dirty um you know he 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 drugged tony to make him appear um, intoxicated that he fell off the wagon. Um, he, he poisoned him. Uh, he w- moved into a cab stand in New Jersey that was abandoned so that nobody else, so no neighbors would die. He had a neighbor dead. So Tony has a list of people that he's going to avenge and the list keeps getting longer. And he has been pushed down so far that he is publicly appears not to be Iron Man and is now wearing the suit and he's an Avenger. And I really appreciate Jed and Tom rolling with the Mark Nail. It's a fun armor too, that sort of has some Spider-Man magnetic abilities and then it can cloak like Predator. It's fun to have those things. We know Tony is tinkering and uh, oh my goodness, the new, the hot newness is going to be fantastic. Um, All right. We've got Tony and Emma, we've got this beautiful double cover stuff going on. At what point in all of your machinations were you like, all right, guys, we're going to have a wedding. It's going to be Tony Stark and Emma Frost. Well, it's very funny. You know, you have to go back about five years because there was, I, I forget, I think it was the history of the Marvel Universe that Mark Wade was doing. 
and there was a, a a caption that showed up very late in the game. It was not a, a even a page that was drawn to this beat, but a caption that mentioned, and of course, who will, you know, something to the effect of, oh, and the marriage that changes the Marvel Universe, Tony Stark and Emma Frost. And they, Tom and Jordan came to me as I was taking over X-Men to say, hey, they found this beat. It's something. I said, absolutely, you can throw it out there. Just as long as nobody has any plans for me to do it or ask me to do it because <laughs> it does not dovetail nicely with the plans. And so um, we laid it out there for somebody to pick up or not pick up. Well, now we're making everyone look really good because it just so happened that these characters were really at their lowest points. And by placing them together at the Hellfire Gala in year one, where I I wrote Tony as a futurist. He laid it all out. This is all going to go bad. You have a technology and it's either going to proliferate or it's going to destroy you. And they got to have the second part of that conversation at, at this year's gala. So um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It shouldn't work, um, but it does work. And it is a lot of fun. And, you know, I think one of the great film scripts uh, of all time for romance is Romancing the Stone. But that script for anyone that is out there that is interested in the, in the craft of writing, wow, it, you know, they're at each other's throats, they're um, playful, but they're standoffish, and they each have their own agenda, and then they also work well together. It's, it's hard to do, but that is what, that's my touchstone for Tony and Emma is, you know, they've both been through a hell of a lot. She doesn't even know where the, the cuckoos are, if they're alive or dead, and uh, you know, Rhodey has been imprisoned because of something that Tony asked him to do. So their backs are very much against the wall, but that's the that's the sweet spot for all these characters. That's why I think uh, everyone is enjoying Fall of X, except for the mutants, because we have really pushed them against the wall. And those are my favorite X-Men stories, you know, the, the Marauders initially down there, the Mutant Massacre. It's not any surprise I reached I reached for that too. You know, it's a, it's a new mutant massacre and it's a false flag attack. You know, the mutant massacre is the mutants massacring all the humans at the gala. Well, they didn't do that. Orcus did that as a, as a very solid frame job. And, uh, you know, they've, the villains won. They sure did. The romance in the stone thing is such a great touch point. Thinking about that, there is a connection. So it's, you know, when you have Emma and Tony together, you know, the, People are, I think there's a lot of curiosity about what this means, but when you put it like that, it feels like, oh yeah, there's, there's some grist to that, that relationship. There's some grist there. And they also understand each other in that they both did something good that was then perverted. So Emma was um, moving these mutant medicines around the world that Orcus attacked and, and put, um, you know, like a, a, a laced Modox kill switch into. Uh, similarly, Tony had all this wonderful technology that he wasn't watching closely enough, and now it's baked in and, and hurting people. And so they they each have that sin. Well, so we're we're in the fall of X. We're going to come out of of this this wedding period with Invincible Iron Man and and, and X Men stuff. Um, 
how does this does this fit into what's going on with your work in uncanny avengers and then and how does this sort of push us further into the fall yeah the uncanny avengers has um a really i think a big hook into the avengers um, lore uh these villains are it's it's sort of villains united and um we are fighting um, fascism both physically and um, Orcus's fascism. Uh, we're also after the hearts and minds in Uncanny Avengers. You know, in World, it's referred to as the Unity Squad. You know, Steve Rogers has convened it at a time when, um, at times, when you know the example of unity needs to be at the forefront. And uh, this is, I tried to make it the most dire example of, of convening a unity squad that, that we've had. And there is, for longtime Marvel readers, um, a really cool hook into a deep Marvel Universe story. You know, we're talking about the fall of X, and, and before... You finish your work on X-Men, whenever that may be. I know Tom Brevoort has got designs on on the X-Men in the far future. Um, I have one question, one mm-hmm. request of you. Please. Please bring back Sugar Man. Oh, <laughs> all right. I will say um, you never know, you know, and uh, I would say the thing that uh, is in his favor is he's a super super fun looking character so there's that um i will say maybe there's something about you that that you like that (laughs) weird head aspect the 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 aspect ratio of the head you know it explains maybe why you like uh the modok so much and and um you're not wrong every character is someone's favorite um sugar man will have his day again i don't know if it will be under under my care and, and watch or not. Um, well, we still have plenty more amazing X-Men stuff from you. We've got Invincible Iron Man. We're going to wrap up Uncanny Avengers in the next couple of months. So lots of good stuff from you, Jerry. Thank you for your time, my friend. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. It's so good to see you, bud. All right. That was Jerry Duggan and Ryan talking about what is going to be an incredible book. I just, it, Invincible Iron Man Number 10, the big wedding issue for Tony Stark and Emma Frost. We know y'all love weddings, but this this is taking it to another level. It's on sale next week, along with the other incredible books by Jerry, which are available. Make sure you check out his work. Um, I know a, a lot of it is available on Marvel Unlimited for the subscribers out there. And if you're not, get your life. Go subscribe to Marvel Unlimited. So many books to read. But for more information on Jerry and this issue and, you know, the Invincible Iron Man series, go to Marvel.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, it's time for our community section, a.k.a. This Week in Messages. So uh, we had a question for last week, but before we get to your answers, uh, we got a question for next week. Uh, That's right, next week we have cartoonist Patrick McDonald, uh, who is giving 
the Avengers and a lot of the other comic heroes from Marvel, the comic strip treatment uh, in the superhero's journey out from Abrams Arts. Uh, it is upcoming. And we were wondering if you could give any Marvel character, the cartoon or comic strip treatment, who would it be? Ooh. Um, I would do the Summers family, like Family Circus. Um, oh with, my god! Like, just weird, wacky little familial hijinks with Scott, little Scotty, and little Alex, and, and little Gabe, and uh, maybe the rest. Um, I could do Nick Fury and Black Widow, like Doonesbury. Um, you gotta have, you gotta do Thor, like Hagar the Horrible. Oh. Come on. Right? Come on. Right? Okay, yeah, no, fair, fair, fair. Okay, so then could we do, so I'm thinking the Avengers as the Peanuts. Oh, yes, a hundred percent. Like, look, it, it, I feel like it's there, it's right in front of us, and I feel like also you could do like... A werewolf by night as the Adams family. Ooh. Ooh. You just do like a Legion of Monsters Adams family. Yeah. Ooh. Type thing. Or so wait, or the hmm. Howween Commandos <laughs> as the as the Adams family. I'm down for Love it. Love it. Uh so open up your 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 funny pages. Let us know what you think. You can tweet your answers using hashtag this week in Marvel. Email them to twimpodcast at marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash this week in Marvel. Please make sure to tell us it is okay to read Twim on the show so can we can read it on the show. And just to be clear, Patrick is the cartoonist of much fame from the strip Mutts. He's been doing Mutts for a very long time, and that is the 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 part of the connection to all of this. Love it, love it, love it. All right, it's time for your answers to last week's question of the week. What are your favorite Marvel weddings? Yeah, uh, we have many, many answers in here. Uh, first up, Wolver Steve at Wolver Steve said, Wedding, you say? This blast <laughs> from an X-Men 90s past for me is my favorite wedding. Oh, no. But being a Wolverine fan, broken heart emoji. And of course, he's talking about what one of the ones I pointed to, X-Men number 30, the wedding of Scott and Jean. No. Yeah. I'm really only sad because it was Scott. Uh, <laughs> hey! Uh, and then Zachary Saltzman at Zachary Saltzma. One, Peter Parker and Mary Jane. Yeah. Uh, looking at the hashtag for the show this week, not alone. Uh, Steed Bonnet's delusions at... Cora's Ragnarok said, Billy and Teddy's Vegas elopement with all their young oh. Avengers friends in attendance. I love that everyone was able to get to their real wedding and had thrown together formal wear. Kate Bishop, Canon outfit repeater. Oh, fair. Yeah. Uh, and then Benjamin at Chinsey Beatnik, Gambit and Rogue. <laughs> I shipped them as long as I can remember. So to see them finally get hitched was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Benjamin. Ash at H3YD4VE, which I assume means, hey, Dave. Uh, Ash says, how could we forget the iconic wedding of Rick Jones and his bachelor party? It was a good poll. I'm, I, that was like a, a deep one. Good job, yeah. Ash. Well done. Abs at Gamma Siblings. My favorite wedding was a ceremony between Kyra, the old strong, and Bruce Banner doing the Planet Hulk storyline. Hmm, look at that. 
Well done. You know what else we have this week? We have a Marvel Insider code. Uh, I wish that people could only redeem it by singing it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like like, there needs to be like a vocal lock on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Can we get that technology, please? Uh, uh, That code is Iron Man. So you can go to Marvel Insider and input that code into the This Week in Marvel activity. And it is two words, not one. Oh, this is true. Brian. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Are you, who are you? Are you, do you think you are Anjali? Yes, I am pretty sure. Oh yeah, we got there. We got there. I am Anjali Crochet. <laughs> and this episode of This Week in Marvel was produced by Jasmine Estrada, Isabel Robertson, Ryan Panagos, and Anjali Crochet. Our senior manager, audio production and development is Brad Barton. Emily Godfrey is our production manager. Special thanks to Jerry Duggan. Mm, yeah, fine. Can we, we can thank Jerry. Come on, he came on the show. I know. That's it for this week. Thanks. Thanks to you, Angelique, for being you. Oh, thanks to you, Ryan. That's right. I'm Ryan. I'm Angelique. This is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>